4: From,
0: Amari, Christian, Skyler, Caitlin, Nolette, Jordan, Antonio, Eddie,
2: and the Tom Sumner program.
1: Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show.
5: Hey, good morning everybody. Welcome to this Thanksgiving edition of the Tom Sumner program and what a great song to open up with. There's only a short window where I can play that song. It was written by the late great Dave Kozel, performed by the Retro Rockets featuring vocalist Diane Alderson and uh, Dave Kinder on bass um, and uh, Gary Clovet. Did that great saxophone, yours truly on drums anyway we got a great show this thanksgiving. You get to uh, I get to spend Thanksgiving with some really interesting people today coming up in the third half of our three hour tour. Dr. Sylvia A. Earle is recognized as one of the world 's top experts on ocean science and conservation, um, quite literally a renowned uh, oceanographer and she 's teamed up with. National Geographic for a book called Ocean, A Global Odyssey. We'll be talking with her coming up a little later. In the middle hour, this is going to be kind of fun, a year ago I had the uh, National Commander of the American Legion on the show. They have a new National Commander since uh, September. Paul Dillard will be joining me to talk a little bit about... um, the Legion's uh, buddy check program in uh, veteran and soldier suicide and homelessness. We'll we'll talk about a lot coming up in just a little bit. But first, and very appropriate for today, um, a new book called Thanksgiving, The Holiday at the Heart of the American Experience, really kind of covers the history of... um, uh, The Thanksgiving holiday and how it's evolved over the years, written by Melanie Kirkpatrick, former deputy editor of the Opinion Page at the Wall Street Journal. And then we're also going to try and squeeze in some uh, Christmas music. We can officially start the holiday season today on the show. So stay tuned for all of that while you're cooking your bird. (music) Hey, welcome back everybody. Uh, my guest this hour is uh, former deputy editor of the opinion page at the Wall Street Journal, but she has a new book that I think you'll find interesting and appropriate for the uh, season. It's called Thanksgiving, the Holiday at the Heart of the American Experience by Melanie Kirkpatrick, who joins me by phone. Hi, Melanie. Welcome to the show.
6: Thanks, Tom. Tom, Good to be here, and uh, Happy Thanksgiving.
5: Ah, you beat me to it. <laughs> good for you. Um, there are some... Uh, this book covers um, basically 400 years of Thanksgiving, from 1621 to 2021, and it's changed a lot over the years, but what did it change from? We have a very different impression of that first Thanksgiving.
6: Oh, the first Thanksgiving, or I should say the holiday that uh, we call the first Thanksgiving, 400 years ago, uh, of course, we're celebrating the quadcentennial of it today. Um, you know, a lot of the images we have of it are, are myth, not reality. But the heart of the holiday, that is getting gathering together to give thanks, um, remains, and it uh, um, some of the things that we know about it that are facts are that there were uh, it took it was a three day holiday, not just uh, uh, an afternoon of feasting. they feasted for three days. The pilgrims and the um, nine hundred men from the Wampanoan Confederation of Indians, uh, led by their chief uh, Massasoit. Pilgrims were f- much smaller in number. There were around 50 of them, including women and children. So uh, you can imagine uh, kind of the, um, the nervousness that uh, the pilgrims might have had when 90 Native American men came into their uh, little colony. The, uh, what do they eat? Well, they might have eaten turkey. Uh, there are two eyewitness accounts of the first Thanksgiving, and one of them mentions the wild turkey, the numerous wild turkey in the area. So that's a possibility.
5: Were, was turkey indigenous?
6: Yes, it it, it 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 is indigenous to North America. There there are different variations of wild turkey in different parts of the continent, but yes.
5: And and one of the things. One of the myths that, that you debunk in the book is this this picture we have of the Puritans or Pilgrims and and those um, funny clothes and hats, <laughs> right, right? And and I, I'm I, I'm not sure how I feel about, about letting go of that image, especially the oh. buckles on the shoes.
6: Right. Well, the <laughs> buckles on the shoes weren't. True, and they didn't all wear black. They actually had (laughs) rather colorful clothes. (coughs) And that picture in the classic picture shows the Native Americans wearing feathered headdresses, which they didn't wear. The New England Indians did not wear feathered headdresses. Those were the Plains Indians. uh, and, uh, And
5: even then, weren't they really kind of more ceremonial than something
6: probably that sounds right not everyday wear in other words but uh you know i i still like those classic pictures because uh, they um uh, they have a really generous and um, warm and happy feel to them even if the even if the artists don't get the details right
5: did we start um did we start celebrating annually right from the very beginning,
6: no, um, Tom. The original Thanksgivings were called for specific blessings, such and and for the Pilgrims, for example. The first Thanksgiving they didn't use the word Thanksgiving to describe what happened in 1621. They waited till 1623, July, when a rainfall uh, uh, ended a drought and saved their harvests. So for them, uh, and early on, Thanksgiving was called for a specific purpose, but it very quickly changed to um, what they referred to as general blessings, and uh, some colonies began to call Thanksgivings for general blessings. And by the end of the 17th century, that was commonplace in New England. And you could say our Thanksgiving is for general blessings, too, of course. But in our history, there have been Thanksgivings that have been called for military victories, for example, such as, um, well, let's see, the Continental Congress uh, called Thanksgivings for military victories over the British. Uh, James Madison called a couple for um, the war, during the War of 1812, and both Jefferson Davies and davis and um abraham lincoln called thanksgivings for military victories at the beginning of the civil war
5: more about thanksgiving with journalist and author melanie kirkpatrick straight ahead
6: hello out there everybody it's me tigger ti double that spells tigger and don't forget to remember to listen to tom their program on account of because he's so bouncy <laughs>
4: From
0: Alicia, Elena, Gabriella, Erica.
4: And the Tom
5: Sumner Program. This is Congressman Dan Kildee and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about Thanksgiving with journalist and author Melanie Kirkpatrick straight ahead in In those very earliest um get togethers, um, how were relations between the Puritans and the Native American population um, and what did they do for a three day celebration
6: <laughs> well uh, they,
5: they weren't have- playing football.
6: Well, they might have been some people. <laughs> uh, th- th- there is a Native American tradition of, of kicking a ball around uh, on the beach, and uh, couple, some, some analysts like to say that the football tradition goes all the way back to 1621. <laughs> I don't know if I buy that, but it's a, it's a nice thought. Um, the,
5: the New Englanders w- weren't patriots yet
6: right oh
5: i know that was bad i'm sorry that's that's bad (laughs) you know i don't
6: know that much about football and the chapter on the history of thanksgiving football was the hardest for me to write so uh but the history was very interesting it started in this the uh, 1870s uh, in new york city and new york being a trendsetter uh it uh it traveled to lots of other places around the country. And by the end of the 19th century, everybody was playing football on Thanksgiving.
5: Well, I know when, uh, when I was growing up in Flint, Michigan, back in the 50s and 60s, there was a high school rivalry in town between uh, Flint Central and Flint Northern that was played annually on Thanksgiving and carried on the radio locally. It was it it was a real big deal. The Thanksgiving Day football game was a big deal on a local level.
6: Flint was not alone. Uh, These local football games were often played. Their uh, football teams, pardon me, played their championship games on Thanksgiving morning, and then everybody went home to a good meal.
5: How did football? end up ranking right up there with turkey as an annual tradition for Thanksgiving.
6: Oh, I don't know if I can answer that, Tom, to tell you the truth. I'm not trying to to put you on the spot, Melanie. I'm not sure football is valued above uh, Thanksgiving dinner and uh, the the tradition of gratitude, but it certainly is up there, as you say. The tradition that I found um, most meaningful in the research that I did was the the tradition of Thanksgiving uh, generosity. And, uh, you know, if you think about it, one of the saddest images in uh, American culture is that of somebody who has nowhere to go on Thanksgiving Day. It's our tradition to invite, um, you know, relatives, friends who uh, perhaps are away from home, Their you know, their family's homes, on the holiday and uh even you know even people who maybe are not the people we 're fondest of, you know that grouchy grandpa or uh, <laughs> a bro- a brother in law who uh, whose politics we don 't like but uh, yeah, and think of all the uh, uh, religious organizations and um, charitable nonprofits that have thanksgiving services at Thanksgiving. You know, um, they, they provide services for the less fortunate. At
5: soup kitchens and so on. And yeah, pe- yeah. People volunteer in greater numbers and more food is donated and they try to feed more people that day.
6: That's exactly right, and they often do it in a very personal way. You know, I know one church in New York City, who, who, which has a Thanksgiving dinner for um, homeless people, and or just people who don't have anywhere else to go. And they, um, members of the church, um, host every table, so it, it's a it's a much more um, personal uh, experience for the guests.
5: When we were kids, it was not unusual for us uh, at Thanksgiving to make up a plate and take it to a, a neighbor or someone who was shut in that lived uh, close by.
6: Yes, yes, yes. That kind of um, individual outreach is very common, of course, in America and American society and especially so on Thanksgiving Day. The first example I could find in my research of such um, uh, charitable actions uh, dated back to 1636 in Situate, Massachusetts, where uh, the the, um, the, um, the church called the Thanksgiving Day and then specifically said that after after the religious services uh, during the feast that followed, the richer sort would uh, take care of the poorer sort. So um, that, to me, exemplifies uh, the spirit of the holiday.
2: The
5: You mentioned research you did for this book uh, a couple of times, and I wanted to ask you about that because I wonder how, how much of a task was it – are, are there good records and accounts? Where where do you go to, you know, try to put together the events that happened through the the years, especially the early years?
6: Yeah, the early years are are tough, but uh, there are diaries and letters that survive that um, mention Thanksgivings and uh, having. A lot of this stuff has been digitized, so it makes it a, a research e- easier. <coughs> um, as you, you know, get into the age where newspapers are appearing, that also is a great source because um, lots of local uh, newspapers would report about what was going on around Thanksgiving Day in, in their little town. The Library of Congress has a, a terrific... Collection of um, American newspapers dating back to the 18th century, and you can search them and find examples of how uh, people celebrated. I also um, tried to find quotations from famous people about uh, the meaning of Thanksgiving. So you can look in government records for some of that. At the back of my book, I have quotes. It's a section called Readings for Thanksgiving Day, and uh, it includes 400 400 years of short comments that people made about Thanksgiving uh, and I know some people use that uh, that section of the book, Readings for Thanksgiving Day, on the day itself, and uh, try to read and discuss some of the readings. I also included historic recipes, and that was fun to research.
5: Oh, I bet.
6: That was great fun. You know, I'll tell you a funny story about that. Uh, when I was beginning the book um, you know this is going to be a serious history and my husband kept saying you have to publish recipes everybody wants to know (laughs) what people ate and I said no 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 I'm not doing recipes but then I ended up doing recipes and it was the most uh, one of the most enjoyable parts of my research.
5: See one of the things that that occurred to me is when and how did cranberries become part of it and to the point where even now we have that (laughs) can-shaped, <laughs> gelatinous yeah, substance yeah. Well, that <laughs> serves that, as cranberries.
6: It's possible, but unlikely, that the pilgrims and the Native Americans ate cranberries at that first Thanksgiving. Um, I say unlikely, because although cranberries are indigenous, to that region. If you've ever eaten a raw cranberry, you won't e- want to eat a second one. <laughs> They're very, very sour. And the Pilgrims had no sugar. And cranberry sauce is, of course, um, mo- a lot of sugar and a lot of cranberries. Uh, Indians uh, at the time, um, culinary historians believe, dried cranberries and might have used them in uh, some food preparation. But there's no evidence that they were eaten on the first Thanksgiving.
5: Was there um, a, a couple of things that that I, I want to try and mash together here, and that is language and, and how the, the two groups who able to communicate with each other had they been around long enough that they already had that all solved and yeah. and the other part of it is is there a, a historical blessing or a significant blessing from that first one that maybe we ought to be handing down annually
6: yeah you know uh, let me take the blessing question first That is such a lovely idea, but uh, it has not. Nothing has like that has survived. Um, And the um, the pilgrims' attitude toward prayer was um, that uh, they rejected uh, standard written prayers. This is one of the reasons they left the Church of England, which had a series of written prayers in the Book of Common Prayer that uh, people would say uh, would say in unison, um, uh, or would read. And the pilgrims, in contrast, thought every person uh, had a responsibility to pray individually and um, not to rely on the words of somebody else. One of their uh, leaders back in um, Holland, before they came on the Mayflower, even thought the Lord's Prayer was inappropriate. Um, and uh and didn't want his congregation to to say that prayer, so no it hasn't survived, but what I used in my book was in the the reading section was um I chose uh psalm one hundred make a joyful noise unto the lord it's a pray it's a prayer of a psalm of thanksgiving and it's one of the most famous psalms in the bible and i um I published that short psalm in the version that appeared in the Geneva Bible, which was the Bible that the pilgrims brought with them on the Mayflower. So that was as close as I could get to that. Um, As for language, um, you know, again, I'm not sure. There was uh, how they communicated at the first Thanksgiving, because I don't know of any native speaker among the pilgrims at that time and of course i I don't know whether any of the wampanoan braves spoke english there was though a uh, there were two native americans who found their way to the the plymouth colony um, who did speak english and one had been uh, seized as a boy uh, by traders who came to that, the Plymouth area and uh, taken to Europe and made his way to England and learned how to speak English and then worked his way on, He wanted to come home and he you know, worked his way on, or earned his passage by working on a ship that brought him back to New England. And um, it's a, a sad story, but at the same time, it's um for the pilgrims he was a a very powerful and important figure because he could communicate with them
5: how was the fourth thursday in november selected uh, was it fdr that set that date
6: not quite um uh Jefferson excuse me um George Washington called a national thanksgiving in seventeen eighty nine It was the first presidential um, executive order, and uh, that was called for the last Thursday of November, so that kind of got the, the that tradition started and in eighteen sixty three when Abraham Lincoln proclaimed um the the first in the modern series of national Thanksgiving days he chose the last Thursday of November as well. Now, you fast forward uh, after that, and uh, there were a couple of exceptions for the few years after, after Lincoln's proclamation when Thanksgiving was, in one case, I think, uh, uh, celebrated on uh, December 1st. But um, by the 1830s, um, that holiday was well set, as, well established as the last Thursday. But along came um, FDR, and it was the Depression, of course, and in 1939 he declared he was changing the date of Thanksgiving. Instead of having it the last Thursday of the month, which in that year fell on November 30th, He was going to move it up and make it uh, on November 23rd. Well, there was a public outcry, and uh, half the states ended up celebrating on the day that uh, Roosevelt called, and that was known as the Democratic Thanksgiving, and the other half of the states ended up spending – Uh, celebrating on November 23rd, on the last Thursday, pardon me, and that was known as the Republican Thanksgiving. So it became a political issue.
5: Doesn't everything?
6: Yeah, everything, right. (laughs) I might add a couple of states ended up celebrating, including Texas, ended up celebrating on both days, which I thought was a wonderful solution.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Especially if you like turkey. The... um, uh, the other the other thing that that I wonder about is this whole kick off of the of the Christmas season, beginning with Thanksgiving and the Macy's Day Parade, and then this whole notion of Black Friday. Right when when did that sort of lock in? Was it was it with the advent of the of the Macy's parade? No,
6: no, Macy's parade dates back to. Um, the early part of the 19th century that i'm sorry i don't remember the date the 20s perhaps um but black friday uh, it didn't really become established until much later again i i don't know the exact decade but it was probably you know 90s maybe 80s 80s uh and a lot of people black, black friday gets a bad rap uh, people talking about how it's uh, uh you know um about avarice and consumerism. And I like to think of it as more about um, uh, two things. One, it shows how uh, prosperous our country is, that uh, people can uh, you know, buy so much, I guess. Well, Or just, just
5: the idea that they, they put their mind to giving to others.
6: Yes, and then there's that. That's just what I was getting to. It's the beginning of the Christmas season, so people are buying Christmas presents. And uh, uh, it's, uh, so I, I don't think we should um, uh, complain about it too much. And it's a sign of our thriving economy, too, that uh, uh, stores can offer this kind of abundance at such good prices for us.
5: Is there an inherent message f- that that should inform our contemporary debates about immigration, inclusion, race relations um, in the DNA of the Thanksgiving holiday?
6: Um, I write that that first Thanksgiving in 1621 points the way to the people we've become. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> um, I'll begin again. Uh, I, I write that that first Thanksgiving of 1621 points the way to the diverse, multicultural people we've become. If these two very disparate people, who couldn't even communicate well, could sit down peacefully. And uh, break bread together. Um, th- this is a positive sign, and I I'd like to think we could do it again today. And when it comes to our politics and our very fractured culture, the uh, the immigrant story oh is the story I uh, with which I open my book. One of the most uh, meaningful interviews. I've ever done in my whole career, a long career as a journalist, was to visit Newcomers High School in Queens, New York. That's part of New York City. And this is a high school, a public high school, for kids who are immigrants, who are new to this country. And on the day I uh, visited, I interviewed three kids in three different classes about the coming Thanksgiving holiday. They were all about to celebrate their very first or maybe for a few second holiday in America. And for them, celebrating Thanksgiving was a rite of passage to becoming an American. Um, I asked them about the meaning of Thanksgiving, and um, I, it was profoundly powerful uh, to hear them answer that question. One boy from China spoke up and said he was a Tibetan Buddhist um, and he couldn't practice his religion in China. And, of course, China's been trying to wipe out Tibetan Buddhism for uh, decades. And so that was the reason, he said, his family came to this country. And then a girl spoke up and said, oh, that's why my family came, too. We're cops from Egypt. Copts is one of the most ancient forms of, of Christianity. Uh, and uh, she said that uh, they were discriminated against in her community, and she and her family moved to America for that reason. And then there were other students who spoke up and said their family came for economic reasons. They you know, couldn't find work uh, in their home country, or um, they knew that in America they had the opportunity of a better life. Of if they worked hard, they could get ahead. And that, of course, was the reason that some of the pilgrims came, not just religion. There were others who came because they wanted to create a better life for themselves and their families. So... uh i um it points to this uh, what I think is one of America's greatest strengths, which is um, the constant flow of, of immigrants, uh, preferably legal immigrants, I might add uh, into this country and the contributions that they make to our society
5: and and given the the history of the uh, the first settlers on this continent from Western Europe and, and the British Empire in particular, um, religious freedom was a, a pretty um, uh, broad theme in terms of the reason for coming here. It seems like that should be at the heart of our um, discussions with the uh, with people, with immigrants in particular.
6: Yes. Benjamin Franklin called Thanksgiving a day of public felicity. And (laughs) uh, it was a time to give thanks for our blessings, civil and religious. And if if there's a better definition of the meaning of the holiday, I've I've yet to uncover it.
5: Who hosted who at the original
6: get-together? It was held at the the, at Plymouth, at the Pilgrims' um, uh, tiny settlement. Um, But the uh, Indians participated. As I mentioned, they brought three uh, deer, which would have fed the the whole company for um, a number of meals. So, um, and they, of course, had helped the Indians, the the Pilgrims. Pardon me. Uh, and uh, establish their first harvest by teaching them how to plant um, native foods. So, you know, I, I, I think it was m- more of a of a jointly hosted celebration than uh, the one that the traditional image uh, suggests, which is of the pilgrims sharing their S with. Uh, Native Americans, um, I, I don't think that's the right way to look at it.
5: More about Thanksgiving with journalist and author Melanie Kirkpatrick. Straight ahead.
0: The time's summer Program.com
3: and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Or call the Foot River Watershed Coalition at 810 767
0: The time summer program.com. Happy Holidays
4: from and the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the
5: Tom Sumner Program. More about Thanksgiving with journalist and author Melanie Kirkpatrick, straight ahead. The impression is given that the, the pilgrims were doing something for the indigenous people that yeah, I, that somehow they were um, bringing these people, uh, you know, in and in, in doing something benevolent for
6: them. No, no, no. I don't think that's the right way to look at it. Though of course
5: I, I, I'm not saying it is, I, but I but I think we sort of get that impression or yes, have had do. that impression over we the do. years.
6: And. um... Uh, uh, one of the chapters of my book is about how native americans uh, look at thanksgiving and um one of the things that really upsets a number of native americans and I, and i think uh, deservedly so is the way small children are are taught about thanksgiving and that's um, what you just described is um one attitude that um uh, is is or has been taught. Certainly, I, I was taught that that was what Thanksgiving was like. I do think teachers um, are more sensitive these days. But um, uh, you know, the idea that the Pilgrims were this um, beneficent group of people taking care of the Native Americans is just the reverse. Uh, the Pilgrims would not have served. Uh, uh, they could not have survived without the help of, of Native Americans. So um, that is closer to the true story of the first Thanksgiving.
5: Um, is Is Thanksgiving somehow responsible for why everything we celebrate in America we celebrate with food or is that <laughs> or is that something that came over on the Mayflower that humans have always done
6: I'm sorry I think it's human nature <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, we certainly go all out on Thanksgiving Day and uh, the the culinary traditions are... Um, uh, ingrained in our psyche, I think. Uh, 88% of Americans uh, eat turkey on Thanksgiving Day, I've been told. Um, so, uh, uh, and, but we all, you know, every family develops its own traditions. I, I know immigrant families that uh, include uh, foods that uh, are traditional from the country where they were born, or even today, Italian-American families whose, whose family, I know one whose family came over here ages, generations ago. They always had lasagna as one of the courses on uh, Thanksgiving Day. So, you know, Americans have their own uh, individual family traditions.
5: Well, we always hear turkey and all the trimmings, and we assume that that's some kind of a, a bread stuffing or dressing, and... Um um mashed potatoes and and corn in various forms and and, and of course the the can shaped uh, gelatinous cranberry sauce
6: <laughs> well minus that the meal you just described does go back to the 18th century
5: does it and. i was going to ask how the how the the standard menu evolved and 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 maybe some things, and you've mentioned a couple already, uh, Melanie, but but some of the things you discovered in your research that um, maybe sounded interesting that aren't part of the tradition that have yeah. been used to celebrate.
6: Well, I'll, I'll tell you one that, uh, who would have thought this? Uh, in New England, there was a tradition of having chicken pie on the Thanksgiving table, chicken pot pie, uh, and I thought, hmm, that's unusual. But it, you know, they would—it it would be a you know like a buffet of of all different kinds of meats. Um, it wasn't just turkey. There would be a side of beef or a side of venison. Um, lots of side dishes, and then a, a another a second course would be all desserts, and women would spend days if not weeks making pies and cakes and other things for Thanksgiving Day
5: well um, Melanie what's what's next for you do you have another book in the works are you uh, I have another,
6: I have another book that has just come out called lady editor and oh. it's the it's a biography of Sarah Josepha Hale, and who is known as the godmother of Thanksgiving. And I learned about Hale when I was researching Thanksgiving. She was, in my view, the most influential woman of the 19th century. She was editor of, jo- of uh, Godey's Ladies' book. She wrote Mary Had a Little Lamb, and, uh, but she, her big thing was education for women and um, Her work, because she was editor of Godey's Ladies' Book, uh, she had a very powerful platform, and she used that to um, influence American culture in a big way, including the National Thanksgiving.
5: I thought maybe you'd be uh, researching the uh, customs of of having a cookout on Memorial Day. uh... Well,
6: I'll have to to look that up. (laughs) Good idea. Good idea, Tom. Maybe I'll do uh, Memorial Day next or Fourth of July. We'll see.
5: Um, but uh, I, I just I just want to thank you for spending uh, this time with me and sharing some of uh, some of your discoveries from the book. The book is called Thanksgiving: The Holiday at the Heart of the American Experience. In um, written by. Uh, Former Deputy Editor of the Opinion Page at the Wall Street Journal, Melanie Kirkpatrick. Melanie, it's been a real pleasure uh, talking about Thanksgiving with you, and let me be the first to say it as we wrap things up. Happy Thanksgiving to you.
6: Thank you, Tom. The same to you. Happy Thanksgiving.
5: And keep up the good work. That was uh, Melanie Kirkpatrick, the author of Thanksgiving, The Holiday at the Heart of the American Experience. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. I
2: wash my hands. I don't touch my face. At home, shelter in place, social distance. Don't go to work. I wear a mask and gloves, to stay away from church. I avoid old folks, and should I sneeze? I do it in my elbow Or up my sleeve Six feet apart That is the room And I pray for the day The kids can go back to school I'm washing my hands Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors And I'm sick of what I see Two more weeks of quarantine Will be the death of me The death of me i risk a trip store to buy a TV, and a few things more but when I get there all I can find is sixteen honey buns and some mad dog wine
0: I'm washing
2: my hands like a raccoon with OCD, I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors because I'm sick of what I see. Yeah, two more weeks of this quarantine's gonna be the death of me. The death of me. They say this is war But we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Porkchop Hill and We just lay here on the couch and watch TV Whew, I'd rather volunteer for a high-risk commando raid To parachute into Wuhan And find that little fella that ordered that bat soup I know I'm talking out of my head Saying crazy stuff over and over like Yes, dear, yes, dear at breakfast I meant to say, honey, please pass me the pepper. Well what slipped out was you crazy woman, you've ruined my life. <laughs> of course I immediately apologized. As <laughs> soon as I regained consciousness.
0: Well Program.com The Time Summer.com program.com From the Tom Sumner Show Oh
2: Yeah You pilots get off of my lawn We're trying to do a radio show down here It's a Tom Sumner program Don't you know come on come on get out of here